Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And if you've been listening over the last few months uh, with this school year, I've been with my buddy Dennis Eastman. And Dennis and I started a monthly conversation called Stories and Becoming More Human, where we have the opportunity to talk with educators, not about how they've impacted others, but how they've been impacted by the people that they work with, by the students that they work with, and about these stories of how they've grown as people and as human beings because of their work. And Dennis, I'm just going to throw it right over to you because you brought to us today a friend of yours. Indeed, and it's great to, it's great to be back and it's great to continue this conversation. And today we have Ginger Paul, who is a wonderful educator. She's got a, a load of experience and I'd offer a number of unique experiences in different places and different times in her life, which have really been um, integral in shaping students, but also whose lives have shaped her. And so I'm excited to have just a free flowing conversation with her today. So Ginger, thanks so much for joining us. And if you would just tell us a little bit about your journey, where you started and what you're doing now, um, that would be great. Great, well, I'm excited to join you guys. And um, yeah, let me just share a little bit about who I am and, and yeah, my journey as an educator. Let's see, I started out uh, right out of college, uh, accepting a full-time teaching position in a lockdown facility, actually. Um, I taught uh, in the juvenile justice system in Los Angeles County. Uh, and my first assignment is was working with 16 to 18 year old high-risk offender males. Uh, did that for a number of years and then moved over to a lockdown facility for females, for minors. So uh, did that a number of years, eight, 10 years-ish. <laughs> I just decided at that time in my life, I really, I saw the impact of uh, students. I saw uh, the challenges that students had and I really wanted to make a difference when they were released. I wanted to go into the community and work with students and parents uh, in the community to see if I, um, could uh, walk next to them and uh, help them make different decisions so they didn't get to the place of uh, making those poor choices uh, and uh, being in confinement. Um, so then I moved into the community. I worked in a community day school. All of my students were on probation. They were either coming directly out of lockdown or they had uh, made an agreement uh, plea bargain uh, that they would do a clean program in the community, work on some of their own personal issues so they didn't have to go to confinement. Um, worked in uh, that school for a number of years, then went into the County Office of Education to work in leadership uh, over all of those schools and instructional technology and, and uh, putting resources in place to help students really access um, their curriculum and their education. 
from there, I went into, uh, decided I really wanted to have some experience uh, working in a traditional district. I didn't, I, uh, up to that point in my career, it had been about 25 years, and I didn't have any experience working in a comprehensive traditional district and an urban set setting. And so I moved into a traditional district, was assistant principal at a high school, a high performing high school. So it was completely opposite of what I had been doing to just give me some um, inroads and working with students, this, this uh, community, they were high, it was a high performing high school, but they had that 10% of students that they really had a difficult time putting systems in place to help them um, access their curriculum. And so worked within uh, that uh, high school for a number of years. And currently I am principal at a high school that is a specialized high school. Uh, we focus on, um, it's a college prep high school. It's a public uh, and we um, are a project-based learning school. It was started in 1993. And it was really set to help students who uh, maybe weren't, uh, maybe they're first generation uh, college going students. Maybe they're students who their families didn't really know how to access education or post-secondary education. And uh, we were put into place and we still are on a day-to-day -day basis working with students, helping uh, them access post-secondary education, getting to that place. Uh, that they can make choices and decisions um, to take the next step. I love it. Uh, so in the midst of all of this, hmm. I'm sure that from a young college graduate going into a lockup facility to now, here you are um, many years under your belt at a, a couple of different facilities, but you talk about that 10% um, who they may learn differently. They may have different situations, different circumstances, but that 10%, I'm wondering, um, and you've also served as, and serve as an instructional leader, uh, both at your facility now and um, in past facilities. What are some things that you share with your teachers about the 10%, maybe the kids who live on the margins, what's a, what's a strong message that you have for them regarding those kids? I think it's so important as educators that we remember that every single day, every single minute, we impact students' lives and they impact ours. Um, we should have a goal as educators to live authentically day in and day out, making those decisions um, that make a difference. Because, you know, even as a parent, you know that your children watch you. And we know as educators, those students in the classroom, even the quiet ones, even the ones that sit at the back of your classroom, they're watching, they're listening. Um, and they have an ability uh, to, um, to learn, in a way that uh, maybe isn't as obvious. Uh, I tell my teachers all the time uh, to walk into that classroom knowing that um, who you are outside of the classroom impacts who you are inside the classroom. 
I think it's so important that you remember that every single child walks in with their own story and everything that you say um, impacts them. You don't remember, you, you don't know, you know, if that child has walked in with, uh, with food in their stomach, you don't know if that child is walking in and, and especially in my experience, you know, I, I've had uh, whole classrooms of students that have basically played the game of education their entire life. They know how to live life and to fake it and they fake it well. Uh, and I think as educators, we need to remember that. And as we live an authentic life in that classroom, you need to allow your students to live their authentic life. Help them learn that they don't need to fake it with you. Um, and in doing that and walking through that journey on a daily basis, uh, you actually learn students, you, you, you learn their hearts, you share your heart and you hear their hearts. Um, and I think that that's important. I can remember a, a time in which, um, and I know I've shared this, th this before, but I, I remember this time um, and it was so impactful because I was, I was in the community. And uh, like I said, I mean, majority of my students, actually all, all of my students, they were on probation, variety of different reasons, um, drug abuse, um, gang lifestyle, uh, just poor choices, but they also, a lot of them come from an environment that they, they didn't see anything um, that was different. Uh, and in my classroom, I used to tell them, you walk through this door and you leave your gang at the door. In here, we are the gang of, and at that time I wasn't married, and we are the gang of Miss Merit, period. That's it. You're part of me and this is our gang. Um, and it was so important to remind them that it's okay, whoever, wherever you are academically, wherever you are with your skills, that's where we're going to start. And we're going to move forward from there. I remember this one time I had a, um, a student and he um, won't use any names here, but uh, he was 17 years old, 6'5", uh, big kid. Uh, had lived his whole life faking education, faking life, uh, kind of thought he was going to fake it with me. Um, and uh, I had a, um, I had a, a assignments that we would take actually children's books. And we would uh, begin with books that didn't have any words in them. And I'd, I'd have them tell me the stories. And we just start with telling the stories verbally. Um, and my goal was getting them to the point that they could actually write a story. Um, and uh, we uh, had, it was within the month of the unit that we were working on. And I can just remember this, this one kid was uh, just the whole time. Uh, yeah, ma'am, ma'am, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah, you can, you can't make me. All right, all right, you can sit there. That's fine, just stare at it. It's fine with me. Let's just move on. Um, and you know, throughout the unit, he began to uh, get kind of interested a little bit. He wanted to tell his own story. And let me tell you, the stories these kids came up with, uh, they were not my stories. They, they weren't anything that I could have ever penned myself. But uh, they, they definitely make you smile. I think as educators, we need to be authentic. We need to allow them to be authentic, however that looks, um, you know, within the appropriateness of education. 
and uh, there was uh, we, we there was a, a there's a fight in the classroom, <clears throat> um, and uh, right outside the classroom actually. So I had brought everybody back in, and we we're sitting in group. Uh, we were talking about it. So I grouped up, I circled up my students and I would, we, we would talk about it. I mean, elephant in the room, we're not going to ignore this fact uh, that this was going on. And I can remember this one kid and he stood up in the middle of all of it. He was silent, the whole group stood up in the middle of it and he was mad. And he um, used some words I'm not going to repeat here, but he basically communicated to the rest of those students, like, you know what? If you don't want to learn, if you then you just leave, just don't come back to school. But I am here and I have never read a book in my life. And this is the first time I was able to read a book and I want to finish this book. So if you all want to leave and you want to take your gang outside, I'm part of Miss Merritt's gang and I'm going to stay right here. And um, that was the beginning of a story with him uh, that was so impactful to me as an educator, because who would have thought <laughs> that a 17 year old would never had read a book or been actually, no one had even read a book to him from beginning to end. Um, those are the things that you take a step, step back and say, this makes a difference. I'm gonna change this kid's life. I love it. And it sounds like he helped shape and change yours at that moment. Um, so Ginger, tell me a little bit about uh, the student now. Were you able to find out um, and see the end of this story? Interesting, yeah. I, um, I can, so years later, I was assistant principal at uh, this traditional high school and my husband and I were chaperoning the prom and we were at a venue and uh, we were standing there and, and um, this man walks up to me. He's part of the, he's an electrician, uh, part of the venue. And uh, he walks up to me and, and basically says, you know, Miss Merritt, and I immediately thought, and first of all, you know, you, you run through so many students in your lives. I'm like running through a, 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 a Rolodex in my brain thinking, oh, what was his name? Um, and I'm, as I'm trying to run through there, um, he just, uh, he wanted to come up to me and, and introduce himself again. And he shared about the impact that I made in his life. And um, he became electrician, he was married two kids um, had chosen a different path in his life. And uh, he basically said that if I had never um, continued to persist with him, uh, because he, he wasn't easy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, if I hadn't helped him and persisted with him and sat down with him and taught him how to read, he would have never been able to read the application nor the um, manuals that it would that it took and the tests that it took for him to become an electrician and make a difference in his life. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a time I think for me personally, I stepped back and thought, you know, you, we don't know how we impact others. We don't know the difference we can make in someone's life and it can be exponential. 
Ginger, I mean, it's incredible. And it goes back to, I mean, I think something that you said that really caught my attention was the authenticity. But in that authenticity, it was a challenge for you to be authentic and invite them into your life, right? To be part of your kind of gang, as you you said, to be part of your community. I think a lot of times in education, we're guarded, we're protected. We want things out of our students that we, we don't give ourselves. How, how is that authenticity or that invitation into those relationships for your students? Where did that come from for you? And then, and then why is that so important to even now as you think about being a principal of a high school? Well, let me think about that. <laughs> Where did that authenticity come from? I actually think that comes from uh, living our lives, our whole life is real. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think my, um, I think my relationship with God helps. Um, it helped me remember that um, my journey needs to be authentic. Um, I need to be able to identify my own strengths and my own growth areas, uh, and own up to them. I think in the classroom, that's, uh, what a lot of educators fail to realize, especially kids. I, I mean, especially educators that work with at-risk youth in any manner, uh, <laughs> they're better at reading people than you are. And you kind of need to just start there uh, because they've been able to survive by reading people and reading those nonverbal cues. And maybe they're not educated. Maybe they didn't know how to read. Maybe they don't know how to read. Maybe they don't know how to do algebra. Um, but it's um, they do know how to survive. They, they do know how to apply those critical thinking skills in other areas. And, and that's a challenge for us as educators to figure out what those are and then help them, help them apply that to education, help them apply that to learn the pieces that they need to succeed in life. And it may not be that they desperately need to learn chemistry but it may mean that they need to learn how to take some of those content skills and apply them and apply that, that critical thinking. I don't think that actually answered your question, um, but <laughs> I kind of went off. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect because I do think there is that realization of like, you know, the realization of who they are as so much a part of, a part of, the process and a part of it that we as educators, number one, we, we don't always do, right? Recognize who they are as people and then how then we can even learn from them and grow from them. Um, I love it. Like, so, so maybe kind of that question, if you get a little more time to think about it, like how, how does those, how do those early experiences in some of those most difficult places, you know, then go into a place that was much more traditional, Right. And then now coming back to, you know, a, a high school that's a little different, that's project based learning. That's, you know, like how do how do some of those early experiences and that, the story with that young man, how does that continue to impact who you are and your work at your high school now? I think it's important um, 
to remember that uh, every child, I think, I think those early experiences for me in the classroom, um, in my face all day, every day, reminded me that every child has a story. Um, and uh, those stories uh, make up the whole person. And I think because when you're in a more comprehensive school, when you're in a more traditional school, uh, it's, it's easy to forget that. It's easy to forget because you have so much, so many students walking the norm. Um, it's easy to forget that they all have their individual story too. Uh, and I think that that's that how the those early years really did form my view as an educator um, and actually it forced me tr truthfully, it forced me to be more authentic in those um, in in a day in and day out situation in a classroom so that now as an instructional leader that's ingrained in how I view students how I view my teachers. I need to remember as adults, we have our own story. We walk onto this campus and I may have, you know, 45 teachers and I may have 500 students and that's 550-ish <laughs> stories, um, individual stories that, um, that I need to open my ears for, that I need to listen and, and um, take into account just because we may uh, need to tackle a directive in some manner. Um, it doesn't mean that, uh, that we push aside those individual stories. I think we need to go through, the, go through a filter of remembering um, that we're all individuals and those individual, that individualization is so vitally important and how we approach everything day-to-day -day life. Um, I think for me, um, it, it was so obvious when I was, um, those first 10 years really of my career, that there were tragic um, stories day in and day out. I lost count of how many of my students died. I, I just stopped counting. There were too many, too many stories um, of people that I poured into that I thought I was gonna make a difference in their lives. And uh, a week later, uh, they had died in a manner that I, I, I just wasn't even familiar with. That helped me remember that I, I can choose joy um, you know, happiness, I think for us, we need to remember that a lot of times that has to do with our circumstances and we, we, the, happiness is not necessarily a choice in my opinion. Um, it's an emotion, um, but, uh, you can't, you can't always choose your circumstances. You can't choose day in and day out what you're surrounded with, but you can choose how you respond to it. Um, and, um, I, I need to remember no matter what happens in my own personal life, what's happening in education, what's happening around us in our schools right now. Um, I can choose how I respond to that. 
and what I bring into my school on a day-to-day basis. As an instructional leader, I'm choosing to bring in positivity. I'm choosing to bring in authenticity. I'm choosing to bring in a a decision that um, my heart can be joyous, uh, no matter what is happening around me. I think those earlier times, um, they formed that. They, um, in a, in a, in a drastic way, um, they, yeah, they showed me life in a different way. Ginger, it's an incredible reminder, especially as we enter into November, the holidays, you know, the middle part of first semester for most people, the idea to live and to work authentically to create those those communities within our classrooms, within our schools, and to whatever happens, to choose the joy of our work and our lives and of of the wonderful opportunities. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you for your time. Dennis, thank you for an incredible introduction to Ginger um, and for letting us share her story too. Thank you, that's my joy.